Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we will be taking another look at the MLS playoff race, reviewing Premier League Game Week 4 results, and previewing the Champions League group stage. So let's get right into it, looking at uh, the MLS results from this week, starting on Friday with the shock result of the week, Atlanta United pulling off a huge 3-0 upset against Orlando City in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. George Campbell scoring in the 25th minute, Daryl DK with an own goal in the 38th, and Ezekiel Barco in the, 72, in the 72nd to uh, cap it off. This is obviously a very big result for Atlanta. It catapults them right into eighth place, right back into that uh, playoff spot, one point behind Montreal for seventh. And uh, for Atlanta, for, for Orlando, uh, it puts them in third place, you know. So what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about it, Garrett? Yeah, I mean, you, you basically said what I was going to say. It's Orlando are, are still, you know, comfortably going to finish in, in, the, in the playoff spots. You know, they're in third right now in the East. Um, Nashville are starting to pull away a little bit, but, you know, still only three points. So can be made up pretty quickly. For them, it's all about kind of placing. We know that they're a really strong team. They're, they're going to finish somewhere near the top. It's just, you know, where from first to, let's say, fifth are they going to end up. Um, for Atlanta, yeah, it's a, it's a really big result. It's their first win under Gonzalo Pineda since he was appointed their manager about a month ago. Um, they're now only a point off of the playoff spots. Um, so really big for them, especially considering they did not have Joseph Martinez still managed to put three on the board, um, give those home fans something to cheer about finally. So yeah, a really shock result would not have predicted that um, coming into this weekend. And, and um, also another big result in just in the playoff picture this time in the West was Portland defeating Vancouver at BC place. Um, thanks to a Veselinovic own goal. Um, so an another own goal, two straight games with an own goal, but yeah, a big result for Portland. Um, as we've talked about the Western conference playoff race um, is super tight, but that has actually jumped them all the way up into fifth because of their recent good form. Um, so a, a big result for them. What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah. I mean, as you say, massive game in the playoff race, not only was it big for Portland, but it, it dropped Vancouver all the way to ninth. I mean, they're still in the playoff race, of course, but um, it drops them out of the playoff spots, which they could have stayed in with a win. So, yeah, it, that, it is so tight that that game really can, it can move uh, everybody around so quickly. And we'll see that with other games that uh, we review as well. But yeah, as you say, Portland in great form, um, picking up points and we'll, we'll see how they can take this momentum and if they can, you know, secure that playoff spot and, but we know in MLS, I mean, what do you need? You need momentum heading into the playoffs. And if you can make a run, that's all, that's all that really needs to be done. Um, and with that, we can, you know, look at another result, um, not so much in the playoff race, but more for the race uh, at the top between uh, Colorado and the LA Galaxy. Uh, it ended up as a 1-1 draw with uh, Michael Barrios and Samuel Grancier scoring. Uh, it was, you know... It was a pretty cagey first half. Um, and then in the second half, it started to open up a little bit. There was chances back and forth. And I think either team could have won this game, really. But um, I thought I thought Galaxy were a little bit lucky to uh, get the draw just because Colorado had a lot of shots. I mean, 16 shots to eight, but 
you know, they couldn't put enough on target. Both had three on target. Yeah. So it's, it was one of those things. And, and Grand Sear just got it in the 80th minute to pull a LA level. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, it's not like a result that, that really changes much in the West. Although, you know, Colorado still with a game in hand over Seattle and only three points behind, they have a worse goal difference. And, and I'm not sure what their head to head actually is, but so for Colorado, I, yeah, it's an opportunity missed. They could have gone, um, you know, only a point off the top of the table with a game in hand. But um, I think both the galaxy and, and the rapids are going to finish pretty comfortably um, in that top four, it, it's, you know, same thing with Orlando, just where are they going to finish? How good is their seed going to be? I think both those teams will end up um, with, with home field advantage, most likely. I guess one of them won't. We'll see. I think more likely to be the Galaxy, um, especially considering Colorado are five points ahead with a game in hand um, of the Galaxy. Um, so, yeah, not, not like the hugest result in, in, in terms of changing the playoff picture, but it is an opportunity miss for Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Everyone wants that uh, first spot, obviously. Huge, huge to get in that first spot. Um, we can move on then to your game. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes versus FC Dallas. Also a, a big game in the playoff race. Um, yeah. The draw hurt both teams. They dropped them yeah. both down. I mean, wins are really what teams need in this playoff race right now. Three points is uh, what everybody's chasing. So one point for each is not necessarily the result that uh, either team wanted. Uh, Ricardo Pepe coming straight back from his incredible performance for the national team and straight away, no hangover, nothing scoring a goal, which I know you're going to debate whether it should be yeah. given to him. I, but, it uh, was, I think it was an own goal, but regardless, you know, no hanger for, for him. He's still motivated to come back into the club and keep scoring goals. Um, so yeah. Tell me about your team, Garrett. I mean, we looked dangerous in the beginning. We, we won a penalty, which Alanis blasted straight down the middle. But, you know, after that, we, we really didn't do much. We only had two shots on target in the whole game, 41% possession. Like, we had 13 shots to their 17. So it's not like we were completely out of the game, but just not, you know, didn't really have that, that cutting edge in the final third. And, um, you know, obviously we made Dallas work for the equalizer. Ended up just being a really good ball in. Ricardo Pepe with a diving header. It, it came off of Alanis. I think that the header originally wasn't on target. Apparently, it was like too much of a bang-bang for them to give it as an own goal. Whatever, Pepe can take the goal for his confidence as long as that helps him in World Cup qualifiers. Uh, doesn't really matter to me. But um, honestly, I'll take a draw from this game. Um, I, I think just based on kind of our performance from the last, you know, let's say 60 minutes, um, I don't think we deserve to win. Um, I think if any, if either of the two teams was going to win, it was going to be Dallas. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, super upset about um, only taking a, a point from, from Dallas. So four points from them so far this season, because we beat them pretty handily at the beginning of the season. So I'll take it. And uh, going from my game to yours, Justin, LAFC picking up a huge three, two win in freak circumstances that third goal was a bit insane. I'll let you talk a bit more about it. Justin, you were at the bank. Um, what are your thoughts on the match? Yeah. Uh, as you say, it was obviously a crazy way to get that third goal. But um, no, Chicho Arango, uh, he, he put us in the game scoring within 20 seconds of the kickoff uh, and then bagging another one off an Edward Atuesta cross for, for a brace for him and winning uh, MLS Player of the Week as well in the process. So, yeah, but it was, I mean, I think I was obviously there, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think this was the uh, game of the week, you know. Uh, we go up one, they tie, tied up with a Demir Krylak just stunner. I mean, 
that goal reminded me of a, a Harry Kane goal from last year. Uh, just it was, the way that it, oh, it, the one against Palace? Yeah, the way it just yeah. bent out to the left over the keeper with the right foot. Um, it was incredible. I was right behind the, the right behind it. I thought it was flying over, and then it just dipped right under the bar. Incredible, incredible hit from Demir Krylak, who is uh, the LAFC killer, as Max Bredos called him on the broadcast. Um, yeah, which he even is. I even I mentioned that in in my text to you. I saw he scored, and I texted. And I said, "Yeah, he always scores against you guys, doesn't he?" he and and a lot, and yeah, and a lot of them are stunners. Like I'm just thinking about that volley in the playoffs as well. He, he, yeah, he likes scoring against you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, and that playoff game you're referring to, he scored a brace against us, so he has four in his career against us now. Um, obviously, we're we're a new team, so that's only that's that's a lot. And then, of course, the third uh goal for us which was an own goal a wild own goal where a defender really just um tony datkovich really just passed it by uh ochoa and so it was it was a weird thing but it it worked out i'll take the win any way that we can get the win uh i will take it it puts us right back in eighth place right back in the tight in the playoff race so right behind uh the team we just beat obviously real salt lake so we're both on 30 points but they're ahead on goal difference so, you know, it's the playoff race in the West is getting tight and that win was huge for us and we knew it going into the game. So we now go on a three game road trip. So hopefully we can take, you know, at least four points, if not more from that. And that will keep us, you know, keep, keep chugging along in the playoff race. And with that, I think we'll move on to looking at game week four of the Premier League, which returned after the international break. Um, some entertaining games this weekend. We'll start with kind of, you know, the story of the weekend as, as much as it's, it's being overcovered. We won't talk about it too much. But obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford, scoring a brace um, against Newcastle. United picking up a 4-1 win, looking really strong through uh, four games now. Um, I know you were watching the city game at the same time, so I, I can comment. Um, I thought United looked pretty good. They looked pretty dangerous. Obviously, they conceded one, a, a, kind of a shot goal on the counter against Monkeo, but um, their depth in attacking areas is kind of ridiculous. Like Lingard coming off the bench, scoring a really nice goal. Rashford obviously still injured. Cavani hasn't been fit. And so you look at their options going forward. It, it's a bit insane. Um, obviously, Ronaldo coming back and doing what Ronaldo does, just you know, getting in the right place to score. I think he was pretty fortunate on both of them. Um, obviously, the first one was it took the, the shot took a, a bit of a deflection, um, comes off Woodgate a little awkwardly, and Ronaldo's there to tap it in. And then the second one, he just blasts it with the left foot, and it goes straight through Woodgate's legs. Um, a little fortunate on both, but I mean – I said it. I said he's going to score at least one. He ended up getting two, which is kind of what I predicted. But it was just written in the stars. Like, you knew the luck was going to go his way in this game and that he was going to score because, it, you know, it just had to be. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, as you say, I think uh, Freddie Woodman in goal, he's, you know, third string goalkeeper going against Ronaldo. Uh, Wood, Woodman, is... my bad. I mean, kind of tells you everything you need to know, though, that I'm getting his name wrong because. Yeah, I, yeah he's, he's a third string keeper in, you know, in a yeah. huge game for him yeah. against Ronaldo. He, I, you could tell he got a little nervous. He fumbled the first one, and then the, the second one obviously went through the wickets. So neither a great goal from Ronaldo. No, um, I think no. if, it, if it wasn't, you know, Ronaldo's second debut, we might, Bruno Fernandez might be the one stealing the headlines with that finish. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's a, a clinical win from United. I don't think people expected much more, much else uh, than for a, a walloping. I mean, I think you predicted 
uh, I put four, four nil. nil. Yeah. Yeah. On our, on our last podcast. So yeah, I mean, a good win for United. I saw, I, I think, uh, I, obviously I'm a city fan, so I don't necessarily love it as much, but United fans have got to love, um, just the picture of Ronaldo teaching Lingard as a in, in the United Academy, yeah, teaching, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. teaching him some, you know, little tricks when he was a kid and now they're scoring in the same game for Manchester United. I mean, you got to love that as a United fan. I, I also think, you know, got to mention Paul Pogba, two more assists. That's now seven through the first four games. He only had three in each of the last two seasons. Um, so he's just been in blinding form. I actually heard uh, David Ornstein doing an interview during um, the pre-match for today's Everton game, which we'll get onto a little later, talking about how it seems like Pogba might actually sign an extension instead of, you know, leaving in the summer, which would be a big deal for United. He's playing really, really well. Seven assists. Um, yeah, so I think the fact that he's in such good form as well is a really good sign for United going forward. Um, so, yeah, a, a really great victory for them. Absolutely. And so then let's move on to talk about the other half of Manchester um, city, obviously picking up a huge one nil win at the King power against Leicester who have been, you know, a bit of a bogey team for Pep Guardiola's side. Um, Bernardo Silva picking up the winner, um, a nice finish from an acute angle into that top right corner. Justin, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, obviously huge win for city. This is, you know, one we needed, um, Leicester are obviously a very, very good team, and we have struggled against them. We obviously lost uh, in the Community Shield, but, you know, I think that it was one of those where we really dominated this game. I think that, you know, the stats will bear that out. 60% possession, 25 shots on shots, uh, eight of them on target versus, you know, Leicester with six shots, one on target. So, um, obviously, that's not counting the Vardy goal that was ruled out, but which, you know, Vardy always kills us, so good thing that he didn't score um yeah yeah, i mean bernardo silva uh with with a goal that finally we could finish off um in the 62nd minute but i think you know it could have we got to be more clinical Uh, Grealish was creating a lot of chances um we're just in their half a lot uh and i think that we could have put it away earlier I, i was getting nervous um but yeah, I mean, happy with the result. It's still early in the season, so I'm not going to take too much from, you know, just 1-0, especially against a good team. Um, but, yeah, I keeping pace, obviously, we're right behind that top four right now that you are in. Yeah, but I'll just say quickly before we move on, uh, looking at the XG right now, City had 2.89 to Leicester's 0.71, so definitely a deserved win. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I hadn't seen the XG, but... That bears out exactly what I was saying. And with that, we'll move on to, um, I guess we'll talk about Everton now, the game that just happened. Um, A big 3-1 victory for the Toffees um, against Burnley. Honestly, the first half was pretty drab. I thought Burnley definitely had the the better of the game. Um, And then Ben Mee opens the scoring in the 53rd minute. A really good cross from Goodmanson. Um, nodded in at the back post, um, nothing that Pickford could do about it. But then just an offensive explosion from Everton. Michael Keane equalizing in the 60th minute, a header from a really good cross from Andros Townsend, who then popped up five minutes later to score an absolute worldie, maybe 30, 35 yards out. Beautiful topspin, gets over the ball, over Pope. 
straight in the top corner. And then just about a minute later, uh, Abdullah Decore has a fantastic through ball to Damari Gray, who finishes it, makes it 3-1. Huge performance from Townsend with the goal and assist. Also, Decore um, assisting both of those final two goals. Although, not like the assist on the Townsend one, though he contributed much to that. It was kind of, you know, the whole meme about Busquets' assist for Messi, where he just taps it and then Messi dribbles through six players and scores. It was kind of like that. But um, I was really, really worried at 1-0. So, um, a big three points for us. Still unbeaten in the league. Um, here's a fun fact. We have now come from behind to win twice in Rafa's first four games. Um, after not having done so before that match against Southampton on the opening weekend, we hadn't come from behind to win since September of 2015. So that kind of tells you that the character of the, of the team and, and the fight and um, Rafa somehow already getting kind of the classic Everton one nil head down, give up mentality out the door. Yeah. You know, top manager can change in mentality like that. So, you know, it's something that, you know, Ancelotti clearly struggled with and, you know, left without doing, but Rafa seems to be doing it as well. And, you know, I mean, Townsend, I mean, what does this guy do besides score bangers? Every goal he scores seems to be an absolute screamer. I know as a a city fan, I will always remember that, uh, that, that volley he scored against us in what was it? 2019. Yeah, unbelievable goal. Abs- absolute stunner. And uh, yeah, Damari Gray, obviously, three goals in three, continues to look like the bargain of the summer. Um, we, I think we've talked about him enough on this podcast already. But Yeah, no, well, you're not wrong. But that run was fantastic. You, he's just too fast, man. You just can't keep up with him. But it, it was really, that goal was all the ball from Decore. You know, basically cut four Burnley defenders, the whole back line out, put Gray through on goal. So yeah, b- big result for us. I'm I'm gonna go after this recording and watch that Townsend goal about twelve thousand times before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, even I was excited. I mean, Decore obviously also scored right after Gray ruled outside, but right. I mean, that was that was those few minutes were exciting. It was it got me out of my seat, and I'm I didn't care about either of these teams. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I tweeted like right after that. I said, "Wow, the the change in emotions in about those like." 13 minutes um, from when Ben Mee scored in the 53rd to then Damari Gray's goal in the, in the 66th. Like uh, my, my brain was about to explode because I couldn't handle going from, you know, absolute despair. We're about to lose at home to Burnley. It's the same old Everton to what the hell just happened. It was a crazy game. I'm still kind of catching my breath now, but with that, let's move elsewhere in the top four. <laughs> And look at, we'll go to Stamford Bridge where Chelsea picked up a commanding 3-0 victory against Aston Villa. Lukaku scoring twice, his first two goals at Stamford Bridge in his career. Um, a really good performance from Chelsea. Again, I, I think my, personally, my man of the match was Mateo Kovacic. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, the assist on, on Lukaku's opener was just amazing. Dribbled straight Both past class. two defenders brilliantly. And then that through ball, straight into Lukaku's touch, cuts back on the right, you know, sends, I think it was, um, uh, I think it was Tuan Zebe. Yeah, he sent Tuan Zebe to the shops, cutting back on the left and then <laughs> put it in on the right. Um, and then uh, Kovacic actually scored himself from a, from a horrible error. Um, and then Lukaku scoring a, a screamer uh, to close it off in the third minute of stoppage time. Justin, what were, what were your thoughts on, on that big performance from the Blues? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the first half, honestly, Villa were 
to taking it to them. I think it was a very even first half. I, I'm surprised that Villa didn't get a goal in that first half. Um, it, Villa played really, really well in that first half. Uh, and I, I wouldn't call it dominating from Chelsea in the first half at all. In the second half, uh, it changed a little bit. And Chelsea, you know, took control. Obviously, they already had the 1-0 lead um, from Lukaku. But it, the, the tone changed a little bit. They controlled the ball a little bit more. Uh, and, you know, took over the game a little bit more. Um, so that that was more commanding. And then, as you say, I think uh, Lukaku, you know, he saw what Ronaldo did and said, anything you can do, I can do better. Now um, hold my beer. Exactly. So, but, yeah, yeah, incredible performance from those two. I tweeted something to the effect of seeing Ronaldo and Lukaku bag goals immediately on their return to the Premier League makes me, as a City fan, wish we had bought a, a world-class number nine. Imagine uh, what that would have looked like. So, yeah. yeah. And just uh, too much, too much quality. Chelsea had too much quality for Villa. And obviously, Buendia was a big miss, but um, Chelsea capitalized on their chances. Villa didn't. Yes. And moving to North London, you can look at those two games. Arsenal, obviously, in that 19th versus 20th uh, game against relegation six pointer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Aubameyang getting Arsenal their first win of the season. Um, you know, I think that we all might have still expected a little bit more from Arsenal. Not, not yeah. that they didn't dominate the game. I mean, you look at the stats, 30 shots is an insane number of shots. Mm -hmm. But Only seven on target, but... Exactly, exactly. Only seven on target and only one in the back of the net. So there's still an issue being clinical there in the Premier League, even against lower opposition. So, you know, we'll see. I mean... I've been saying that by the by the North London Derby, we need to you know look at Arteta and see what he's done. So he got the three points here, not necessarily convincingly. Uh, and then can they get it in the three points at Burnley? And then what's going to happen uh, in the North London Derby against Spurs? I mean, that goal from Aubameyang was quite honestly comical because Nicola Pepe hit the post. It comes back to him. He hits the post again, and then he's like falling over and like unintentionally scorpion kick assists it to Aubameyang, who just taps it in. But I, I was just laughing because I thought that was just hilarious, kind of um, indicative of Arsenal's season thus far, not in terms of them scoring, because obviously this is the first time that's happened in the Premier League, but just, you know, coming <laughs> off the post, bouncing everywhere, who knows what the heck is going on. I just thought it was really funny. But, uh, you know, disappointing from Norwich, only one shot on target. So, yeah, Arsenal weren't convincing in the final third. And seven shots on target from 30 obviously is not spectacular, but they definitely deserve to win the game, um, as, as you'd hope they would, playing against Norwich at home. I'm, Norwich are, are already down as far as I'm concerned, to be honest. They, they just look so lifeless in these games. So, real tough for them. But let's look on the other side of the north uh, side of London as Tottenham. Oh, man. Picking up a heavy 3-0 defeat uh, at Selhurst Park. Goals from Wilfred Zaha and then Odison Edouard scoring twice after coming off the bench. The first one was, I believe, 26 seconds after he came on, which is insane. Sorry, 28 seconds as I see it right now. Um, is That's ridiculous. And then scored again in stoppage time. Huge win for the Eagles. Um, you know, getting that kind of feel-good factor back under Vieira. Um, it was their first win of the season, so big for them. Um, but Spurs, man, obviously Tanganga getting sent off kind of changed the whole game. All three of Palace's goals were after that. But, you know, still just a really lifeless performance. They had two shots in the entire game, one on target. They had less than 40% possession. 
it's just that's not good enough. And that and that is almost a complete opposite of what we've been seeing from them. Those first three games, people were, you know, very complimentary of Nuno, yourself included. I know that you've been kind of fighting the whole anti-Nuno narrative at the beginning of this season. But this was a pathetic performance from Spurs. Like two shots, one on target against Palace. Ugh, that's just, you know, you're not going to be fighting for the top four with that. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, I, I've been, you know, defending Nuno, but there's no defending him here. Uh, this is, I mean, obviously the Tanganga red card changed the complexity of the game, but prior to that, it wasn't good enough from Spurs anyway. Uh, they they weren't controlling the game. Obviously, they're without Son Heung Min, which is a big, big loss, of course. But still had Harry Kane, though. Still had Harry Kane. It's it, missing uh, Son is not a big enough excuse to lose. Uh, to Palace, much less lose 3-0. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure that many people thought that they would compete for top four, but I think that this tells people, you know, chill out a little bit. Yeah, we'll, pump the we'll brakes. See. Exactly, exactly. And finally, we'll go to Ellen Road, where Liverpool picked up a convincing 3-0 victory against Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds, who have been struggling a lot. I don't want to say second season syndrome but i'm gonna say second season syndrome it could be upon them we'll see but they are still winless um through four games uh muhammad salah scoring in the 20th minute uh, what was a beautiful team goal great cross from alexander arnold which he put in and then fabinho scoring um in the 50th minute and then mane scoring finally after missing about 200 chances as it seems to make it three <laughs> now um, Pascal Stroik was sent off very harshly um, after injuring Harvey Elliott. Unfortunately, um, just kind of a, a freak incident. Um, Harvey Elliott uh, dislocated his ankle from what we've seen, but bad enough to require surgery. So best wishes to him for his recovery. That being said, I just don't think that's a red card at all. I just don't. It was that was an on-field decision. It wasn't a VAR decision. I thought it was because Arlo White at the at the time said it, uh, VAR stepped in, but no, it was an on-field decision, which I just think was completely incorrect from Craig Pawson. Um, I, I don't think it, it was a red card at all. It, it, it was barely a foul. I mean, he got the ball, and then you know his just back leg kind of rolls on top of Elliott's and then it's a freak injury. Um, but, you know, obviously once that happened, it was already 2-0. There was no way back for Leeds. Um, but honestly, I am a bit concerned about about Leeds. I just think they, they have not been particularly convincing. They still only have, I, I think it's two points. Um, so not good for them. Liverpool keeping up pace. Um, and, you know, the title race, we'll talk about that in a sec after this game. It, it's you know, shaping up beautifully at the moment. But what, what were your thoughts on Liverpool's victory in Yorkshire? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a little too early to jump on Leeds because, you know, they only the two losses are against Manchester United and Liverpool. Um, granted, you know, Burnley 1-1 result is not necessarily where they want to be, but I don't think I don't think one one against an unbeaten ever. I mean two two. I think it was, uh, but it was a draw yeah. against. A, I mean I think they should. They, I think they, they should. In my opinion, they should have lost that game. I don't think they deserved a point from that game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this was an absolute domination by Liverpool. It really was. When Salah scored in the in the twentieth minute, I thought you know this could end five nothing. It could you know get out of hand pretty quickly with the chances that they were creating and. if if they could have finished off more of them, it could have been uh, five nothing because, you know, they were all over the place. Thirty shots, nine on target. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on the red card as well. I, I don't think it was a red card. I'm surprised VAR didn't even look at it because, as you said, it was an on-field decision, which means VAR could have looked at it to overturn it um, and say it wasn't a red card. I think, you know, when, when we see an injury that bad, it the human nature comes into a little bit and we yeah. get a little bit too influenced by, man, that looked bad. His ankle was completely turned, um, which, you know, it was. Um, and thankfully in America, NBC did not show any replays of that on television. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, as far as Liverpool keep rolling a complete domination and as far as, you know, Leeds, we'll see. Um, obviously they have Newcastle coming up next. That should be a win. Uh, so we'll see that uh, at St. James's park. We'll see what they can do there. the four teams coming in that everybody thought, you know, could do it were Chelsea, Man City, Man United, and Liverpool, and they're all performing. I mean, the City are the one behind everybody on nine points when uh, people are on 10, including yourself yeah. with Everton, um, who are looking great, and Spurs looked pretty good until that result. Uh, West Ham also looked pretty good until they couldn't find a way to score against a terrible Southampton defense. So, Yep, and yeah. Mikel Antonio destroyed everyone's FPL. So thank you very much, Mikel. I took a hit to bring him in, and then he gets sent off immediately. Like, come on, man. Um, also, just before we move on, um, I think we should mention Wolves picking up a, a big 2-0 victory for them at Vicarage Road. Uh, Huang Hee Chen scoring on debut. Um, and, you know, Wolves were, we, as we talked about, were desperately unlucky to have lost all three of their first three games, not scoring in any of them, which was a bit insane. Like, you looked at the stats. He had zero goals from almost five XG. They were pulling a Brighton is what they were doing. But they deserved this victory. They finally got it off the mark under Bruno Lage. Um, big win for them. Watford, you know, I think people were getting a little bit carried away with them after um, their win against Villa on the opening day. But... Yep. Um, yeah, big big win for, for Wolves. Finally got a bit of the rub of the green with an own goal and then, you know, kind of a penalty box pinball for Huang Hee Chan's goal, somewhat similar to Aubameyang's. But, yeah, big, big win for them. So I, I think we would be remiss to not mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And and then let's, let's get your thoughts on the title race that's shaping up. It seems to be a four-horse race at this point. To me, uh, it is Man City and Chelsea above uh, Man United and Liverpool. Uh, for that for that title but you know United Ronaldo can change the mentality of a team really quickly and Liverpool I mean are a fantastic team I think that you know they mm -hmm. were run into the ground last year and had some injuries and other things uh, obviously Van Dyke um, but you know I think that you know people kind of forgot about them a little bit because of that but I think you know you can't count them out ever so what, what are your thoughts on that title race do you think Everton are in it <laughs> very funny yes definitely no um <laughs> i i i still am back i still think chelsea are the most complete team in the league i just think that they have depth pretty much everywhere um you know there's not really a, a weakness that you can look at and and point out where i think with every other team you can you know with united they don't have a defensive mid um and nemanja matic you know can you win a title with uh what 33 year old nemanja matic I just don't know about that. Um, with City, you don't have a number nine. Um, 
you know, obviously Ferran Torres has done a pretty decent job filling in, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, these other three teams have world-class goal scorers, albeit for Liverpool, it's, it's more in, in Mo Salah and not their number nine. Not that um, Diego Jota um, isn't, isn't a threat. He definitely is. Obviously, we know Firmino's role is not to score. Um, but City, I, I'm not sure if they, if they have, you know, that 25-goal a striker, 25-goal a season striker that both United and Chelsea have in Ronaldo and Lukaku. Um, and, and so I still think that this is Chelsea's title to lose. I mean, not in terms of that, you know, they're so far ahead. It would be incredible if they don't win it. But I just think that they are the most complete team. I think that they will win the title. I think the three spots after that, it's kind of up for grabs. I, I haven't been like extremely convinced by City. Obviously, City are a great team and they've won the title three of the last four years. We know that. But I think this is the, the stiffest competition they've faced other than Liverpool um, during those two seasons, but like there's, cause there's three other teams that could beat that could pit them to the title this year um, as they try to defend it. So, you know, I, I it's going to be a fantastic season. Like I'm so looking forward to seeing how this plays out. There's so much quality in the league. Um, and this season is going to be crazy. I think this season's going to prove really that the Premier league is the best league in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited to see how it plays out, but I'm sticking with my guns, Chelsea to lift the title come May. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that you're sticking with your guns. I don't necessarily like that if Chelsea would win it, but you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I agree with what you were saying. You know, it's it's a little bit different. You know, it's it's that idea of I would rather be, you know, three points ahead of one team than six points ahead of three teams. You know, it's 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 a lot harder when there's three teams chasing your, your yeah. whoever whoever takes that lead, uh, whoever runs away with that lead eventually. It's also just going to be really exciting once these title favorites start playing each other. Obviously, we had Chelsea, Liverpool, but that game, you know, as we talked about, was kind of got ruined by that Reese James red card. But I mean, there's going to be so many games which are going to be, you know, potential title six pointers um, between these four teams. So, really excited to see those as well. Absolutely. When we get later into the season, it's going to be really exciting when the when the table really starts to take shape and we know where people are standing. Um, It'll be really, really exciting. So I think with that, we'll move on to our last topic for today, which is the UEFA Champions League, which kicks off tomorrow as uh, we are recording. And there are some big games tomorrow, which we'll, we'll talk about. But I think we're going to go group by group and just kind of preview, look at who we think are our favorites. You know, talk. We've been having a bit of a debate off, off uh, recording about what the group of death is. We can discuss that for a minute. But Justin... Um, We'll start um, with your group, Group A, City, PSG, Leipzig, and Club Bruges. Um, obviously, you guys play Leipzig this week. Um, what are your thoughts on the group? What are your concerns? Um, and what ultimately do you see happening? My thoughts are it's unfortunate to be playing the best team in the world. Um, the top two, in my opinion, the top two teams in the world are in the same Champions League group, which is... Controversial. Con maybe controversial, but... Um, it is my opinion, and it is unfortunate for both of them. Um, but yeah, I think that it'll be a good, uh, a very good group. Obviously, you know, we, we've been discussing whether this is the group of death or maybe group B is the group of death. Um, Leipzig, obviously, you know, selling some players from last year, but still a, a title challenger. Um, or not a title challenger, but uh, still a top four challenger in, in Germany. And uh, just a good team, in my opinion, with obviously a new manager. So taking a little bit of time to get started. Uh, Jesse Marsh, who I know a lot of Americans love. 
um, hopefully he can, you know, follow in Nagelsmann's footsteps there. Um, what are your thoughts on Group A? Um, I, for me, it's like a, it's a two-horse race. It's, you know, who's going to get first, who's going to get second. That will impact, you know, who City and, and PSG play um, in the round of 16. But I just think this this comes too early for Leipzig in the in the Jesse Marsh era. I don't think that they're really contenders in this group at all. Um, hopefully, they'll, they'll get to the Europa League. That would be, I think, a, a good challenge for Marsh. Um, and, you know, maybe they can pick up some silverware. But they've been really poor so far this season. Um, three points through four matches. They're sitting in 12th in the Bundesliga right now. Um, and then, obviously, we were, you know, talking about you said players that they sold, they, they lost arguably all like two, their two best players. And then one of their, you know, other top five best players in, obviously they sold both Upa Meccano and now Marcel Sabitzer to Bayern. Um, and then all, obviously they lost Ibrahima Konate to uh, Liverpool as well, who we still haven't seen play for the Reds, which will be interesting to see how, how he does there. But um, Leipzig, you know, so far this season, they've lost to Mainz. They've lost to Wolfsburg. Um, and then they got hammered by Bayern um, on Saturday. So I, I think, yeah, it's really just going to be a toss-up between City and PSG. Who gets first, who gets second, should make for some good viewing. I'm excited to see uh, Messi banging a hat-trick against the Citizens. Half-joking. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I will segue that into Group B, which I think is the actual group of death because I have absolutely no clue what's going to happen. Um, I, I think Liverpool will end up going through just because um, – they're, they're pretty healthy right now, Harvey Elliott aside, obviously. Um, they're playing well. I, I think they're probably the most complete team in this group, but then that second spot is kind of up for grabs. I think either Atleti or Milan or even Porto, who obviously were kind of a shock number last year, took out Juve in the round of 16. Cristiano Ronaldo's Juve, I will add. Um, so I, I think that second spot is kind of wide open. That's going to be, in my opinion, the most interesting group to watch. Um, but I, I, if I have to throw out a prediction, I think it will go – Liverpool in first, I think Atleti will come second, Milan third, Porto fourth. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. Um, I agree with those one through four. And I think it is a debate, you know, is group A the group of death? Is group B the group of death? And I think it is, it, to me, it, I look at it this way, right? Man City and PSG are better than Liverpool and Atletico Madrid, in my opinion. So, but, but, when you take Milan and Porto, they're, they're closer to those two than maybe Leipzig and Bruges are for sure. So it's the question of, okay, is, it, is the group of death just about the best teams? Because in my opinion, the two best teams are in Group A. Or is it about uh, you know, how close the teams are in their ability? Um, you know, and people will have that debate. But if we're going to say it's how close people are in, in ability – I mean, I'm throwing Group G in there as, as a group of death. You know, they're not the best teams necessarily, but they're all very close. I can't, I couldn't tell you who's going to finish one through four there. So, you know, there's, there's different uh, criteria. So depending on what your criteria is, uh, you can make your own decision on that. I think that you have to take account of both of them because not only is it quality, it's also quantity. So I think Group B is is literally group G, but every single team is better. <laughs> and, and then group A obviously has the two best teams, but there's, in my opinion, there's no competition here. We know exactly who's finishing in that top two, who's going through. We just don't know which order it is, but there's, I don't think Leipzig or Bruges have a chance. I, I really don't. Where in group B, it's, you know, obviously we think we know who 
that first and second is, but I'd be lying if I said I'm like as, anywhere near as sure of that, even half as sure of that as I am for Group A, because all four of these teams have a really legitimate shot of going through. So I think Group B definitely, when, like when you take both of those criteria into account, not just one or the other, I think Group B is not only the most, you know, it's a very close group, but also the collective quality is is very high in my opinion you know obviously i don't think these teams are as good as city as psg but i think the the four of them as a group it's the most well-rounded it's the most competitive it's the most kind of throw up group while also maintaining that really high standard of quality which i don't think group g has absolutely and before we move on to group c i just i I have to mention there's a video uh, if you haven't seen it of tyler adams uh, who plays for red bull leipzig when he saw he was uh, got drawn with Manchester City and PSG, his reaction was absolute disgust. Um, <laughs> he was not happy about it, understandably so. It's a great video if you haven't seen it. And with that, we can move on to Group uh, C, where we have Dortmund, uh, Ajax, Besiktas, and Sporting. Uh, this is, you know, uh, this is a good group as well. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, Dortmund. Maybe people will think will finish uh, top, but you know, they had a down year last year. Um, but we'll see what they can do. Ajax are always, you know, perennial contenders, but, and, and Sporting and Besiktas are also, you know, good teams. All of these teams are very good in the, in the countries that they play. So how can they uh, perform in the Champions League is the question. What are your thoughts on this group, Garrett? Uh, I think this one will be pretty interesting. Obviously, Sporting just winning their first uh, Liga Nos title in a long time. Um, Dortmund are currently just behind Bayern at the moment. Um, honestly, their games, they've had two absolute thrillers in a row. I don't know if you've seen the highlights of that Dortmund uh, Leverkusen game earlier this week, but it was wild. Obviously, having Erling Holland is a big deal. Um, you know, one of the best goal scorers in the world. You know, obviously, so still young. Um, still so young, rather, um, more adeptly put. But I, I think I, I see I don't know. I, I think I think Sporting are gonna get are gonna get through here. Obviously, they just lost Nuno Mendes, big deal. Nuno Minge, sorry, but um, <laughs> I, I I think I think they're they could sneak above Ajax. I, I think Besiktas are gonna finish bottom. Um, I think Dortmund will come top, and then it's you know seeing who comes second between Ajax and Sporting. I think will be really interesting. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Sporting. I just think their their squad's really good. They've added, um, they've had some good additions. I think Pablo Sarabia on loan from PSG is a fantastic uh, deal for them. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. What about yourself? Yeah, you know, I it's a hard one to predict. It's hard not to go with Ajax, but I see what you're saying with um, Sporting. I, I don't think that we should count Besiktas out and just put him in fourth like that because, granted, it's early, but they're they're leading the Turkish Super League, um, and obviously on they are goal difference. Fair enough, but they're, they're, it's it's like the the prem actually right now where there's four teams on ten points. Yeah, and that's uh, it's a league I will be paying attention uh, to more with Diego Rossi moving to Fenerbahce, but um, but yeah, I, I think that yeah, I'll I'll put Ajax second there, uh, Sporting third, and Besiktas fourth. But I don't think that I, I mean that that could change around a lot. So you know that's what we love about the Champions League. You, you don't know, um, Group D. Also, uh, I think this one, you know, we see the top two teams in this. Yeah. Um, and as yeah. even the third, even the third as well, I think we can predict. Um, I think the question is who finishes top, uh, whether it be Inter or Madrid. 
Um, I'm going for Sheriff. Not obviously not. <laughs> yes, and then Shakhtar Donetsk, who Man City are always in a group with. Not this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, surprisingly. Surprisingly, we were all Man City fans were shocked by that. Uh, I think that they're almost a lock for third, and I think that uh, yeah, Sheriff Taraspol, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is uh, gonna finish last in that group for sure. Yeah, but they have a dope name, so they do. I think per- personally. Man, oh yeah, man. First and second, I don't. I, I think I'm probably just gonna go with Real Madrid just because I think that just their quality is is better than Inter, especially now that Inter have lost. You know, Lukaku, one of the best strikers in the world, and Hakimi, arguably the best right back in the world at the moment. Um, not to mention but, their manager. Yeah, not to mention their manager. I, I so, I, but they've they've started pretty well. Um, I guess. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. Two two wins and a draw for the through their first three games. Not horrible. Ed and Jack already scored. Um. So I think I'll go for Madrid, even though they haven't been playing like fantastically under Ancelotti. And I, I hope that they continue to not play fantastically under Ancelotti um, because of the spiteful person in me. But um, I think I'll go Madrid first and then Inter second. And then um, my bottom two are the, are the same as yours, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that is the prediction because of uh, you know, the, the losses that Inter have sustained. But I don't think anybody would be shocked if Inter take that one spot. And we can, with that, we can move to uh, Group E, where we have uh, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Benfica, and Dinamo Kiev. Uh, here, I think that you know, top two are pretty locked as well. Although Barca are struggling, yeah. Um, so we'll see. And yeah, Benfica are not struggling. So you know that that could be a race for third. But I think that you know Munich will take this uh, group. Yeah, uh, I think you know that's that's pretty everybody everybody believes that one but yeah uh and and barca bayern play this week i'm not mistaken tomorrow yeah um the, the day this will be released on tuesday morning uh bayern and barca play at uh at noon in america on tuesday well pacific time right yes thank you pacific time justin i'm gonna throw it out go ahead i have bar i have barca finishing third in this group Oh wow! Okay, we have a prediction. We have we have a yep. big prediction I, here. I, I, hot take. Hot take. It is a hot take. I Benfica are on fire. Barcelona. I just think they're going to struggle with the, with depth in terms of kind of balancing league games and Champions League games. I think they're going to get routed by Bayern in both games. I think Benfica have a chance. Like if Benfica get a win in one in one of their two games against Barca, I think Barca will finish third, and then I think they'll have a very good chance at winning the Europa League. Obviously, but. You know, this is obviously there in most situations. I think Barcelona will end up finishing second in this group, but I'm going to put it out there right now. I have Benfica going through in second, Barca finishing third. Write it down. Beautiful. I love it. These are these are the type of predictions that make you look like a genius if you're right. Yep. Right. And if I get them wrong, I'm like, hey, it was it was it was a hot take. I was trying to predict something <laughs> unlikely. You know, nothing. No losses there. Yeah, no, I think, but I think you're right. I think Barca, Barca fans are looking at this uh, Bayern game with fear. You know, don't do it again. <laughs> so not again. Yeah. Not they, they again. Lo- they lost 8-2 with the best player of all time. <laughs> and now what's going to happen without him? Yeah, when you replace him with Memphis Depay, you're, you're a little bit downgraded there. Hey, to be fair, Memphis has been playing really well. He's been kind of carrying them almost single-handedly at the moment. But Well, yeah, and Barca, um, by, by the end of the group stage, they will have gotten Aguero back, but by now he is you know, still injured, so he will not be playing tomorrow, um, which you know, obviously is a big player for them. 
So we can move on to uh, Group F now, where we have Manchester United, Atalanta, Villarreal, and Young Boys. Gilfie um, Sigurdsson's favorite team. Sorry, I had to. Oh, no. That was unnecessary. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. It was right there. It was that right was... there. I'm sorry. It had to be done. We're moving on quickly yeah, from that. Yeah, swift, swiftly um, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think uh, Manchester United are you know, going to take this group, clearly the best team in the group. Um, as much as I would like to say that they won't. No, they but, will. Yeah, I think the race here is uh, for second between Atlanta, Atalanta and, and Villarreal. Um, obviously, Villarreal being the Europa League winners. So, uh, uh, but who did they beat, right? Manchester yep. United. So. <laughs> yeah, against United. Right. So I think, yeah, United will get their revenge, their mini revenge by winning that group. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do think, you know, that, that second spot is up for grabs. I want to favor Atalanta, but I really don't know. Um, no, they've had a they really slow start. Exactly. Yeah, they have they had a slow start, um, and, and Villarreal coming off a, a good season. So I'm going to stick with Antalata there. I think that they perform really well in the Champions League, better than they do in Serie A in general. Um, so we'll see. Not to say that Villarreal don't, obviously. So we'll see. But I think that Young Boys will finish last there. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I think, I mean, actually, now that I look at it as well, Villarreal have drawn all three of their uh, La Liga matches so far. I think Villarreal will come third also because how is Unai Emery going to win the Europa League if they go through in the group? So, <laughs> the Unai I'm, Emery I'm, League. Yeah, so I'm going to go United in first, Atalanta second, Villarreal third, Young Boys fourth, just like you. We totally agree on that one. And we can get to the group that we were discussing before, which is not a group of death because the, the quality maybe isn't there. But, I mean, what is going to happen in Group G? I could not tell you. We may throw out some predictions, but I, it could go anywhere here. Yeah, I mean, reigning, reigning Liga champions, Lille, getting off to quite <laughs> a slow start. They currently sit in 12th um, in, in France. And then, you know, Salzburg have quality. We know that. Uh, Brennan Aronson... You know, there's no better example. Sevilla, who, you know, are perennially, you know, contenders, I'd say, in the Europa League, obviously. But they've, they've been good over the last couple of years. Like, their quality is high. They held on to both Jules Kunde and Diego Carlos. So, you know, their back line's really solid. I think they're going to end up taking this group. Um, and, then, and then behind that, it's who knows, man. It's a total toss-up. Wolfsburg are actually sitting top of the Bundesliga right now. So, you know, maybe them in second? And then uh, who knows? But I, I think that's probably what I'd predict. I'd say I think Sevilla and Wolfsburg will go through from this group. But it, as you said, it's kind of it's a toss up. Yeah, to, to me, the most interesting uh, thing about this group and correct me if I'm wrong is there's only one team that does not have an American on their uh, uh, on their squad. Um, it's in Sevilla. Salzburg, as you said, has Brendan Aronson. Lille has Timothy Weah and Wolfsburg has John Brooks. So. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as an American, that's a reason to, you know, look at Group G and be excited about it because any, any of those teams could go through. I mean, as an American, I probably hope Sevilla finishes last, but not that I think they will. Um, <laughs> no, I think they're going to finish first, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, an American will be in the knockout stages of the Champions League, guaranteed there. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll, put, I'll put Sevilla first. Um, it's really hard. It's a hard one to predict, honestly, but I will go Lille second, Wolfsburg third and Salzburg last. But again, I'll repeat, it could go anywhere. 
Yeah, and with that, we'll move on to Group H, which has Chelsea, my title favorites, obviously, um, as we talked about. Um, and then uh, Juventus, who are currently struggling very heavily under uh, during the return of, of Max Allegri and obviously with the absence of Cristiano Ronaldo. But Malmo and Zenit, not the strongest opposition. I still think those are the clear, you know, top two teams in this group. Um, I Honestly, I think... It's going to be Chelsea, Juve, and then Zenit, and then, and then Malmo. But, I mean, it, it, I think there is, like, a possibility for Malmo to kind of kind of shock Zenit here. But mm, I think it, this is a pretty easily readable one in general. I, I think it's it's kind of a lot like uh, Group D. Um, I think Chelsea are, are, you know, just way, especially deeper than Juve at this point. Because, um, you know, they have obviously a lot of fixtures, but they just have so much depth um, that – you know, Juve aren't going to be able to keep up with Chelsea in this group. I, I see them winning this by a very solid margin. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I think I agree. I, it's pretty simple to me. Chelsea, Juve, Zenit, Malmo in that order. Um, obviously, Juve having a terrible start to the season, sitting in yeah. 16th place in Serie A right now, one point out of three games. Um, just really, really poor. Um they their last game against Napoli, they had a one nil lead and gave it up, lost two one. So I think you know Chelsea will win this group comfortably, but you know again, it's Champions League, so that's, we we watch to see what happens. You know maybe Malmo will shock us and get into third, sneak into the Europa League, something like that. Yeah, things are rarely as clean cut as we might think they are. Absolutely, yeah. We we will. You can come back to this episode once the group stage is over. And you'll see what we said was probably not, not how it turned out. I'm sure. Um, here's here's what I will say. I think when Juve visits Stamford Bridge on you know a Tuesday, Wednesday night, whatever it is, I I think that's going to be. I think Chelsea firstly are going to hammer Juve, and I think Stamford Bridge is going to be you know just glorious. I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. And then I'll put you on the spot real quick. Okay. Since since we've been on through all the all the groups, who is your Champions League favorite before any games have been played? Before we through the knock, we're not to the knockout stages. We're not there yet. That's when people normally make their you know predictions for the, who wins the Champions League. But we're gonna make it before anything happens. Who is your pick? It has to be PSG. It it just has to be. You look at the squad that they have, the depth that they have, the manager that they have. Like, I just, they, they have to win. I don't see how they don't, especially holding on to Mbappe not losing him to Madrid. This is the season there. They have Messi, Neymar, Mbappe all in the same squad. Even without him, they then have Di Maria. They have Icardi. Their midfield is fantastic. Verratti is an unbelievable player. I really, really love watching Verratti play. Um, Obviously they've, they've added to their back line as well. Nuno Mendes coming in. Uh, Sergio Ramos, who's, you know, injured right now, but, you know, Marquinhos, Hakimi, like the depth, the quality, it's, they just are the best team in the world. And I honestly don't think it's close. I think I, I see PSG winning the Champions League and I'm, you know, obviously this is not like a crazy prediction, but it is definitely one that I'm very willing to throw out before we've even kicked a single ball in, in the Champions League yet. So I'm going PSG. I don't think anybody's surprised by that, and I don't think anybody no. will be surprised by the fact that I'm going PSG as well. Maybe okay, they will. Be- okay. I thought I thought you were about to say no one's going to be surprised by the fact that I'm going City. I was like, Whoa. I know. <laughs> and right, right as I said that, I I realized maybe some people will be surprised because they'll think I'll be a little bit biased uh, towards City, which maybe I will. But 
I mean, PSG were a fantastic team last year, and they obviously added the best player to ever live. So, uh, it's just it's going to be hard to beat. Um, you mentioned all of, you you na- nearly named their whole squad, and and uh, obviously mentioned Pochettino as well. Which some people would argue Pochettino is their weak link. Um, I personally do not agree, and I'm not just here to defend Spurs managers since I've been uh, defending Nudo in previous episodes as well. But but and, no, and these... you and you do love to defend Mourinho against me because I always I keep saying that oh, Mourinho's I, well, okay, but I, whatnot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, okay, but I I don't categorize him as a as a Spurs manager. But yes, he did he did just come from Spurs. So I, I you're right. I do I do back Mourinho. I still think he's a quality quality manager. So. It just happens to be that these are the these are the uh, managers that I I think are good. I think Nuno's a good manager. Uh, I think Pochettino is one of the better managers in the world. I think he deserves to be at a club like PSG. Um, yeah. And and yeah, Mourinho as well. I still think he's one of the better managers in the world as well, which I know is controversial. I just think it's funny that Poch getting sacked from Spurs is like the best thing that could possibly happen to him because now he's managing one of the best teams we've ever seen, including the greatest player of all time and Neymar and Mbappe, who, you know, very soon could be the best player in the world. Like, oh man, that squad is just insane. Yeah. What a career move for him. Absolutely. And with that, that will wrap up our episode for this week. Um, thank you for listening so much. Please follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's u 90 Football. We'll be back next week to talk about the first uh, round of results from the Champions League. Um, obviously, uh, the Premier League and MLS as well. But we really appreciate the support. Um, so we will see you next week. I am off to go watch Andros Townsend Screamer about 2,000 times. Justin, always a pleasure. Um, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.